This is the one with an Aussie abandoned at an airport. Cross-tracing on the time-space axis. A pretty rum idea. The Doctor's predilection for the third rate. And the philosophy of Darlington men. It's called Time Flight. Here we go! Whistle on our epic race. All through time and all through space. Whistle being an angel's hour. Dalek Cyber Zood and wow! Counting Sonic's rating apps. From the poor to the sublime. Eccleston to Whitaker. Let's agree it's about time. Who back when? Reviewing on you who there is. Who back when? Subscribe and rate on iTunes, please. Rose and Donna. Amy Pond. Rory Clara. And beyond. Join us on this side to see what other choice could there be but who back when? Who back when? What up? Podcast land, and welcome to yet another fantastic episode of Who Back When, a Doctor Who podcast. Or Doc Past. Goddamn right, Jim Cakes. That's right, I said Jim Cakes. I am looking across the ether at none other than the one, the only, Jim. Hello, Jim. Wow, that's an introduction. Thank you very much, Leon. Um, <laughs> yes, hello, Podcast Land. I am Jim. I am the other voice in this podcast episode. That's right. And my voice is mine. I am Leon. Hello, Podcast Land. And holy smokeroonies and cheesecakes, do we have a treat for you today. We are going to be whispering sensually into your earballs about, see, a one, two, three, time flight. Yes. Season closer for season 19. Yeah. End of the first Davison season. Bye. That snuck up on me quick. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. quite frankly, this it doesn't even feel like we had a whole season. That's crazy bananas. So it's the ending of his first season, and in at least one way, the end of an era, companion-wise? Uh, maybe, yes. Yeah, you're right, actually, maybe, because I also have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> How do you feel about this serial? Do you like it? Do you dislike it? I think I'm pretty solidly in the meh ground at the moment i don't know okay right down the middle ish i think i haven't really settled like uh we said before we start recording neither of us has written a score down yet for this that's so right we could be swayed in any direction depending on how our conversation goes <laughs> that yeah absolutely that is totally true we did also say we have had a, a teeny tiny little glance at ratings that have come in from uh, from podcast land in the listener minis we will get to them obviously and they are then they're pretty low they're they're not right. super yeah like th- this is not a a highly rated serial by podcast land and i can tell you in uh, the 40th anniversary outpost gallifrey poll this was voted the fifth worst doctor who story oh yeah that seems a bit <laughs> harsh okay of all of them. i don't know we'll see <laughs> <laughs> yeah for me as well, I'm kind of down the middle for this one so far, but let's let's see where we end up. Before we get into that, how about we summarize this in a neat little bite-sized chunk for anyone who doesn't know what this is about. By golly, that sounds like a spiffing idea. <laughs> Time for us to synopsize, lurbify and summarize So take a view, and grab a brew, and listen to this overview This free-for-all, we like to call a bite-sized chunk of who Bite-sized chunk of who Adric's dead! Yay! <clears throat> uh, sorry, Adric has just died And the remaining TARDIS team are mourning the loss of such a worthwhile companion Doc thinks they could do with cheering up So puts the TARDIS on track for the Great Exhibition Hyde Park, London, Earth, 1851 Alas, That little adventure will have to wait because some external force is causing problems for the TARDIS and they have to materialise mid-flight 
at Heathrow Airport in the present day. Good job too, as the Concorde has just gone missing, and they're going to need the help of Dork and his TARDIS to track it down. Why? Because the plane's gone through a time contour and ended up 140 million years in the past. That's why. It'd be far too simple just to pop back in time to find it in the TARDIS. So Doc hitches a ride on another Concorde, and everyone winds up in a prehistoric land where everything is not quite as it seems. Mysterious psychokinetic forces are at work, and there appears to be someone or something behind them. Good job Nyssa has developed her own extrasensory perception then, as they'll need that to find out who's masterminding. Masterminding, eh? These series of events... (laughs) And get the Concorde crew and passengers safely back to their own time. Mmm, B-Scout over. You are welcome. Aren't you just dearest, dearest podcast land? So, Jim Cakes, that sounds like a spiffing serial. But I bet you there are a few things about this that you would like to pick apart. Where would you like to start? You have to have a starting point, I'm sure. <laughs> I, I do. I have a number of them. <laughs> and I would also like to rectify uh, uh, my question of just a moment ago. I, we don't have to start by picking this apart, obviously. <laughs> there are, yeah. no. I'm sure, qualities to this serial that we will be discussing over the next, let's say, hour and a half. I mean, I really I want to pick this apart. Say, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm happy yeah. to pick holes in it, def- definitely. I yeah. don't think this is an absolute stinker. Like, we have Nor I. watched so many worse serials than this, that's for sure. <laughs> oh, y- yeah, absolutely. If this is the fifth worst, or sorry, if this were the fifth worst story of of all of Doctor Who, that's up until 2003, I should say, when, when this poll was conducted at Outpost Gallifrey. That's, that is crazy bananas, because we have definitely reviewed, let's say, minimum five stories that are not as good as this one. Yeah, I would say so. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to think of a few off the top of my head. Yeah, no, actually, you know, I could definitely think of a couple of them off, off the top of my head. Anyway, all right. Uh, let me start us off with a question. They go back in time, right? Millions and millions of years. That is Heathrow 140 million years ago. They come across a gigantic castle, effectively, like a massive temple around, or possibly that's the spaceship, whatever. Are we meant to believe that there were absolutely no remnants of it left for future slash our past archaeologists to discover? Yeah. Hmm. No, that's a fair point. Maybe that's exactly where the meteorite landed. Oh, wait, that makes excellent sense. From from the (laughs) previous one. Yeah. Neatly wrapped it all up. (laughs) Yeah. Well done, Adric. Okay, fine. Yeah. I'll I'll check that box then. The box marked crap archaeologists, question mark, in my notes. Uh, I think, no, it's a a fair enough point. It is. I think they might have tried to adjust bits of this with, what are they called? They're called the Xerophim. The Xerophim. The Xerophim. Sorry. Yeah. Their like core thing obviously got transported into the, the Master's TARDIS and I Yeah. The whole hand wavy way that Doc kind of resolves this. I wouldn't be surprised if there was a line in there that I missed where he magically teleported the entire base somewhere as well at the same time. Because he was just oh, like Oh I see. Like, yeah, Deus Xing left, right and center. <laughs> Maybe that is what he did. I, I thought that he only transported them. You know, the I thought so too. The, the globule that was the seraphim. Yeah, I thought so too. But I would be prepared to accept maybe there was an extra hand wave in there. Fine. Okay. You know what? You have solved this. Well, Sherlock. <laughs> 
pretty decent cereal. Uh, I have more questions, but if you want to ping pong this, feel free. You can pong my ping. I don't know if it's a question per se, but how much did you feel like this was a commercial for Concord? Oh, yeah, massively. <laughs> <laughs> It feels like I mean, someone that's on the board of Concord's <laughs> construction. I don't even know who owns Concord's, like, makes them. <laughs> but, <laughs> or made them, rather. Among the trivia points on Cardiff's Wikia, it says that Peter Grimwade wrote this story purely to get a free ride on the Concord. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's verbatim from Cardiff's Wikia. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that, I mean, that and, fits, definitely. <laughs> yeah, and you know what? Fair enough. Like, Concord is... It's new at this point. It's very cool. It's it, it's a part of the public consciousness. It's running out of Heathrow and the BBC suddenly... This is, by the way, the first time that something dramatic is allowed to be shot aboard a Concorde. So the BBC all of a sudden has the right to do this. In hell, yeah, let's do this. It's badass. Yeah. I, I have never flown on Concorde. I'm not right. Prepared to go out on a limb and say you hadn't yet. Yeah. No. Not many people did, I think, because they were very expensive flights. and They were super expensive, and weren't they routes? decommissioned? I'm sorry? I, I, yeah, sorry. I, I was, wasn't sure how many routes they actually flew. But yeah, they like were decommissioned. London to New York I, and something else. I can't Yeah, like big long haul stuff. 2003, yeah. they were retired. Oh, right. Oh, actually, that ran longer than I expected it, it to have run. Well, regardless, yes, absolutely. This episode brought to you by Concorde, or this episode brought to you by British Airways, that it could not yeah. be more branded. It's quite something. It's quite cool to see Heathrow, by the way, of yes. 19, whatever we are, 1982. That's very cool. I like that. I thought that was interesting. And I also thought. It, they underused Tegan a bit in this role, but there was there was a lovely scene where she got to be the the air steward and ushering the the passengers back onto the Concorde. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And so she's been wearing this uniform for this entire season, and yeah. it's been ridiculous that she's been wearing this uniform. And finally, it kind of served a purpose. <laughs> yeah, she's been waiting to. Maybe we should start w- with Tegan because that's a really that's an oddity to me. I I agree with you. I really like that scene. And it's been building to this point. She's wanted to go to Heathrow and start this job and be uh, an air hostess. It's it, Her arc has been leading up to this point, and she finally has that chance. But she also doesn't... Like, at this point, she's changed her mind, hasn't she? Yes, which is why the ending is so surprising. But, um, I yeah, I definitely didn't think... In fact, I believe there's a conversation between her and Nissa. Like, you know, she, she says... I think Nissa's commenting on about these weird ways to travel in these these flying metal boxes, you know, and Tegan's saying, you know, it's quite, it's I don't fun. know if she uses the word romantic, but yeah, it's, it's oh, a, maybe she does, it yeah. is a nice way to travel. I can't remember. But then at the same time says, but so is traveling with the doctor, but, you know, traveling with the doctor is even more uh, fun, even more romantic or whatever. Yeah, exactly. But then why does she wander around Heathrow? I mean, all of a sudden she has her handbag and is walking around Heathrow. Is it just because she misses home? She doesn't tell anyone, listen, I'm, just give me an hour to twirl around Terminal 1. She doesn't say anything like that. She just leaves. And no one checks if she's around. No one goes, is everyone accounted for? <laughs> Doc doesn't <laughs> yeah. go, uh, Tegan isn't here. Does anyone know if she decided to stay? They all just F off. I mean, that ending is horrendous that Doc just leaves. Right? Just because, just because he might get in a little bit of trouble or has to talk his way out of the situation, is like, I'm going to leave without Tegan on board? The fuck? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and this is, this is really annoying, because like, 
I haven't been very good at like writing general notes. I've got my usual notes from all the timestamps and stuff in the in the episodes, but yeah. the one note I wrote down as a general thing is loved the doc in this. Like I thought oh, he was nice. okay. really, really good. I thought this felt like a very Doctor heavy episode and Davison was doing an amazing job I agree. in that role. And then this is before I got to the end and then if then he does this at the end, it's, well, the, the character like the does this. The least doctory thing like, ever. Yeah. What the fuck are you doing? Doc? Like, I guess you're not good at goodbyes, but Jesus. <laughs> yeah. And we may have been harsh towards Tegan in the past, or maybe not harsh is the right, maybe harsh isn't the right word, but we've certainly criticized Tegan in the past. But transpose this, this is less about Tegan than it is about the Doctor. Transpose this to New Who times. Imagine that Matt Smith just ended, not saying goodbye, just talking to some randos who have stepped into the closing scene of the episode, walking into the TARDIS and dematerializing, and Clara at the end of it looking so sad, so forlorn, just abandoned tragic now without any sense of direction any purpose in her life all of a sudden just that's it never see you again bye that's it yeah so i have peeked in wikipedia and trivia land like this uh-huh. this is not her exit oh both yay and nay <laughs> <laughs> so there there is that context and apologies for the spoiler but i felt feel like no, that's fine it's hard to talk about highly relevant that yeah. that knowledge but obviously when this was broadcast people probably didn't know that. I, I don't know if maybe they would have put a story in the Radio Times to, to say that she's not leaving or something. I don't know if that kind of thing was done back then, but it's possible people thought this was her leaving, and that is a hideous way to leave if, that, if that's what you, know, you took that to be. I mean, they seem to be doing quite a lot to avoid any kind of spoilers, including via the Radio Times to come out about Adric leaving in the last serial, Including oh, yeah, mentioning true. that he was uh, he was in the credits for this one because he appears for fifteen seconds or whatever, so it seems as though they're keeping the plot under wraps. Meaning, if you were a member of the audience back then, you watched the serial, you probably assume this is her exit. But it doesn't matter, even if it's not. This is such a shitty move on Doc's part. He has failed to yeah. go back to Heathrow for all of a season, so. <laughs> If the next serial ends with them going back to Heathrow, just picking her up and then moving on to the next one, it's a bit weird. Like, okay, fine. You yeah. learned how to maneuver your, your craft. But there, there should be a scene with Tegan going, um, are you telling me you could do this anytime, you bastard? You've basically exactly. just <laughs> kept me captive until I wanted to stay on board. And <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's not cool. That That's kind of keeping not okay. someone in a basement type <laughs> <laughs> Shit, doctor. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> that escalated. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. No, I'm a bit fine. harsh, but you know. <laughs> How do you feel the companions were, were treated in general in this serial? So we've done Tegan now. Or wait, have we done Tegan? Is that how do you feel Tegan is treated throughout the rest of the serial? I I think mostly I liked the companions in this. Like I I felt like when they were given stuff to do and on screen. I think I liked both of them. I, I thought it, there's definitely more to talk about with Nissa and how she was treated. But yeah, in terms of Tegan, yeah. I think it felt like this script knew how to treat all three of the people from the TARDIS. Like I've already said, I thought the doc was on good form in this. And I think that applies to Tegan and Nissa as well. It seemed like they had very, very kind of 
Established personality traits and characteristics, I suppose, is the best way of summing it up. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. I think you're that's spot on. But as a general thing about companions, uh-huh. I did <laughs> write a note early on, which I'm probably going to fail to find now, but it definitely felt like the companions were being sidelined in preference to the companions of the week. Uh, yeah. uh, I think maybe episode two, I, I kind of got that feeling. Yeah, that's, I found my note. There we go. In fact, I wrote as <laughs> sidelining the companions for a couple of men of the week. <laughs> oh, <laughs> because interesting. Because, of course, there is that kind of element we have to address now, that it's two female companions, and if you boot them out for two men, then yeah, maybe that's in something. I think you're onto something. Is that the scene in part two where Nyssa suddenly gets bubbled? And Tegan suddenly just suggests that she also yeah. be written out of the serial temporarily. Yes. <laughs> He's like, exactly why don't I stay that. here and you guys go and do things? <laughs> yeah. I don't we need a agency. Really... No, absolutely not. I why don't we have a, a couple dress. of gratuitous... <laughs> Why don't we repeat this one scene where I just look at my fellow female co-traveler and and go, Nissa, can you hear me? Cut to men. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I have to say that technique is very quickly wearing thin on me. Of It's happened to Nissa before, like where she was doing stuff in the TARDIS, I think in a couple of serials. And it's Uh just cutting back for literally like a second of footage with... Yeah, either, like you say, a repeated line of something or just a confused look or uh, I'm monkeying about with something under the TARDIS. You know, it's just, no. (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm picking up what you're putting down. When that happened, I thought they were just going to be out of it for the rest of the serial, though. I thought this was it. Like, this is going to be a Doctor and Temporary Traveling Companions, oh, sorry, Temporary Companions-ish serial because, I don't know, maybe Grimwade didn't want to write a Tegan and Nissa story, or maybe he had written a completely different story. Mm. But they do reappear, and they do run through the the gauntlet of psychological trickery, the hallucinatory trickery wielded by, uh, what's his name, Khalid. We need to talk Khalid in a moment as well, oh, because God. holy yes. smokes. So when they do that, do you feel that they are... Are they ever brought back properly, though, in this serial? I think Nissa definitely is. She, as uh, hinted in the B-Scout, like, she's been twisted a little bit into something that I didn't really know she was before. Like, I think maybe we've had hints of a kind of extrasensory ability she has. One of my potential introductory questions was, is Nissa psychic? I mean, we've certainly had her be very intuitive, in the past. I think uh, we've had maybe in like Keeper of Trark or something. Oh, before. no, you're right. Oh, I'm so sorry. You're totally right. Yeah, I think there's been hints and there's been stuff in the past with her kind of sensing things, having a feeling about something. Yeah, you're right. But it was, yeah, it was it was a plot point in this episode. That's a serial, that's for sure. Yes, certainly. <laughs> okay, wait. I think you need to explain so much of what goes on with that part of the plot to me, because I am not sure that I understand. The Seraphim are this ancient, super-duper clever race, practically omniscient, who... (laughs) Wait, hang on. This is the one-line plot summary that I wrote down in my notes. The Master wants to steal an ancient, omniscient space race to use it as a battery for his TARDIS. I think it was more maybe engine than battery, but yes, effectively. Okay, (laughs) all right. And okay, so so they have decided after a war against barbarians on their own world, they decided to turn themselves into a 
single life form, like they've merged into one kind of gloop, buried themselves inside this gigantic mausoleum, and now all of a sudden they are able to reach out and talk to Nyssa, who is also at one point seeing dead people around her. Seeing dead people? Oh. Yeah. She when does. they first oh, arrive, she has like a massive yeah. nervous breakdown. She's like, oh, screaming. And we get to see through her eyes. She sees a few dead people leaning against a rock wall. And that is never picked up again. Are they the Seraphin or are they Concord passengers? Or like, who, what, what the I, shit, man? I think that might have just been part of uh, Khalid slash the master using the Xerophon to create hallucinations. Oh, oh, I see. Okay. That was definitely not clear to me. Yeah, I'm not, I wouldn't bet my life on that. But it was in that time frame where they had first arrived, they were seeing lots of weird shit happening and people were, I don't think they discovered the other crew and passengers yet, but, you know, we knew that there was a lot of this, this psychokinetic and whatever forces that were basically hypnotizing people and causing delusions. Okay. Occasionally we get to see the so-called plasmatons. What yes. are they? Fuck knows. I'm not quite sure why they have a name. <laughs> <laughs> like, they seem to be just a manifestation of this psychic ability. I don't know why it had to be bubble things that then turn into weird two-legged dildos. Hemorrhoids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one or the other, or both, if that's your thing. But, oh, okay, I, I feel like I'm asking really stupid questions. But yeah, no, I, I'm assuming that they are somehow controlled by the master. Spoilers, the master is in this one. Okay, <laughs> shit bananas. Where do the bubbles factor in, though? So when Nyssa is bubbled, when she is captured in a bubble, is that the master or is that the Xerophin or is that the master using the Xerophin? So I took it as, yeah, the master was somehow using the Xerophin. And I mean, even to the point where, is it the end of episode two? No. When do we meet the Xerophin? Episode three, is it? I think so, yeah. They've basically kind of diverged. As a single entity, they've somehow diverged. The master has been using their force, and half of them have gone, hey, this guy knows his shit, let's uh, help him out. And the other half will go, no, this guy's a genocidal maniac, let's not help him out. <laughs> Which, I mean, sometimes we have days like that. Sometimes we want to <laughs> kill, uh, kill all humans. we have days like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh yikes all and right other times we just want to smell the roses <laughs> jim we had a good run <laughs> uh, the <laughs> but isn't it all right so that to me implies uh, at least the sense of democracy so the master has i think this is an interesting point to to touch upon so the master has taken over the gloopy whatever right the the seraphin entity and it seems as though he has persuaded some of them to join his cause he has not forced them he has not in some way technologically coerced them he has however persuaded them simply by being around to go you know what yeah we like this dude i mean to be fair lots of people voted for brexit <laughs> like a lot of people voted for donald trump a lot of people vote through legitimate means make their opinion heard even when that opinion perhaps clashes with ours and it's not a bad thing that they are able to have this opinion it is perhaps a bad thing that someone through fraudulent means gets them to have that opinion so 
from that, what I'm trying to say, this is not an anti-Brexit thing or an anti-Trump thing, even though, well, I think I mean, everyone is, knows. But, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, what, but my, my, my point is, <laughs> really, when you distill it down to it, is they have the right to be assholes. <laughs> like the, the, the evil Zeraphin is not an evil Zeraphin. They just disagree with each other, you know, those two Zeraphins that we see. Yeah. So what's the big deal, man? I mean, I guess the big deal is that it's the master involved and they're siding with the master. And you already know, Doc already knows, Nissa already knows, we already know siding with the master is bad. Yes, but certainly. The because Seraphin, the master is a horrible, murderous right. bastard. Yeah, but you're right. The Zeraphin are just, they're making choices and they don't have the information that we have. So, yeah, it is a, maybe a democratic process that we should allow to have. I don't know. But, <laughs> but we should be allowed to influence and say, no, master bad. Which is what um, I guess you could take um, Doc, Nissa and Tegan using their kind of mental abilities. as like That's their way of arguing for the good like, side. No, <laughs> the <it> text <laughs> on the side of this bus is not accurate. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> Okay. All right. Yeah. Fair. So, do you feel that the okay? How does the master know where to find the Zeraphin? Some no, question was hijacking I, a Concorde yeah. to use its passengers as slave labor really the least convoluted way of getting to them? I'm not sure. I this bit I did not get. I must admit, I don't know if he did. He need the Concorde? Was that part of the plan, or no. was it just a accident? He he definitely created the time contour. I think on purpose. I think so too. I think he does that yeah. because he needs slave labor to dig out, to, to basically chisel out <laughs> an opening to the center of the Zeraphin uh, mausoleum. You think? It was just to get some literal uh, hard labor. to do that. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> wow. And I don't think that <laughs> creating a, a, a time rift and kidnapping uh, and manipulating the passengers of a Concorde Sending them 140 million years into the past, I don't feel like that is the easiest way to do this. All he needs is to travel back in time and laser the wall and then walk through it and steal the Xerophon. That's all he needs. Yeah. He doesn't need to do anything. Or if he really wants someone else to do it, just put an ad in your local paper, dude. Yeah. <laughs> just put a little, like, a, a piece of paper on a literal bulletin board, like in his local co-op yeah. or something. Put something on the bulletin board. Hi, <laughs> looking for someone with a chisel. BYOC, I mean, yeah. bring your own chisel. He doesn't even need to lie. There are enough people out there in the world that are a little bit bored, a little bit intrigued, a little bit crazy, whatever. Absolutely. If you just said, my name is the master, I like to kill entire races of species that you've never heard of. Oh yeah, I come from outer space. You can just you stop mind at, coming... I, my name is the master, and you'll get <laughs> at least a handful of people who are like, hi, I don't even know what you're about, but I'm, I'm into it. I bring my own whip. Yeah. No, not whip. <laughs> yeah. You can borrow my whip. That's what it would be. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, it's yeah a lot of length to go to for something, especially when it seemed like this was an act of desperation. His TARDIS, like he was, we left him stuck on Castrovalva. Yeah, presumed to have died in the destruction of Castrovalva, and so his TARDIS is damaged. He needs some kind of way of powering it, be it a easiest engine, way a to power do that. source, whatever. Travel to prehistoric Earth, steal a Concord. <laughs> 
Yeah, okay. No, you're right, actually. Yeah, yeah, no. When you put it in those terms, it, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. Mm. Put on yeah. some yeah. fairly racist cosplay. <laughs> oh, God. Kids. Okay, yeah, uh, let's let's pull that bandage off then, shall we? <laughs> all right, fine, let's do that. <laughs> Talk us oh. through. <laughs> I mean, I mean, this is why it has to be... <laughs> This drags down the score. Uh, right? Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm trying to trying to say. <laughs> yeah. Like, even if this was the best serial that ever existed, it would have to le- lose. I don't know two and a half points at least, maybe even a full four points. I don't know, <laughs> just for racist cosplaying. I mean, jeez. This is like a combination of the Celestial Toy Maker and um, the talons of Wang Chiang, where you have. <laughs> Someone dressed up in, I, I think, quite clearly Far Eastern, uh, like a, a costume and makeup to make him look Far Eastern when he is not. Yeah. He's doing an accent. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? No, I'm out. It, like, like, that's massively racist. What were they thinking? And the weirdest thing ever is, like, as far as I understood it, like, this guy is either alien or incredibly ancient to the point where he's not human anymore something something's happened whatever does not need to be uh made up for for one of uh i'm I'm lazy man term just calling it a chinese character may not be intentionally chinese seems it just yeah just chinese unnecessary yeah i absolutely agree they could have uh, they could have outfitted him in any other way did you know that this was going to be the master by the way no i had no idea whatsoever and that was a pleasant surprise to get rid of the Khalid character. And then it's kind yeah, of like, goodness. actually, if this is the master doing it, maybe we uh, accept <laughs> and almost allow the master to be racist. I don't know. <laughs> is is this I, a I, weird I, thing? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. So I knew that the master was going to be in the serial. Okay. I, I had just picked that up from other trivia, I think. I didn't actually watch the end credits. I think if I had seen the end credits and I'd seen the actual credit of whatever it was, Leon something, I'm in the credits! Leon something, whatever, (laughs) which is the Anthony Ainley uh, anagram, I probably would have figured out, yes, all right, so he is Khalid. But he kept talking as Khalid. He kept talking about his master. Like He was reporting to someone greater. and (sighs) And I did not recognize him in that out. Like I genuinely did not recognize him with that mask. I saw that it was like plastic and rubber on his face, did Mm. not recognize it as him. And it seemed so incredibly stupid to have this character, even when he is unobserved, when he is on his own, constantly just going, shawa, shara, shara, sharum, like the fuck, whom are you, for whose benefit are you doing that? You know? And he did that a lot for a whole episode. (laughs) Yeah. Which, which, so I, I assumed that that was not him. I assumed that basically in part two, he would maybe disintegrate or something, and then the master would step out from the shadows, or, what you know, the master would be elsewhere controlling him. Maybe he's a robot, maybe he's whatever. Yeah, yeah, because I, I had no idea, so I was expecting Kali to be the main big bad, and ah. when Khalid starts melting, I mean, plus points for a start for yeah, nice. <laughs> the melting and gross shit coming out of his <laughs> nose i mean yeah 
Very nicely done. Um, yeah, I thought that's, oh, this is an interesting turn. Like the only bad guy we've seen has just melted. <laughs> yeah, um, that was not Anthony Ainley in that scene, by the way. When, oh, really? uh, w- yeah, when he's melting, that is not Anthony Ainley. That is a stuntman who uh, reportedly nearly drowned because of the gloop coming out of the nose. And Anthony Ainley was just offset preparing for his role. Wow. Yeah, badass, man. (laughs) (laughs) What a dude. (laughs) I mean, obviously. Dot, 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 fill in the blanks. Not great. (laughs) I mean, I'm happy to, like, we've addressed that. We know that elephant sits in the corner of the room. It's an unfortunate thing they decided to do in this serial. I mean, come on, this is 82 now. This should be something that is not okay you hand wave it a little bit in the 60s and 70s but you know we should be expecting better now and there is also another no sorry 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 go for it i was gonna say like maybe if i'm feeling harsh at the end of this like that might be enough to to channel actually what michael ridgeway did the last time we came across this and just go fuck it zero (laughs) you know (laughs) it's it's that bad it's that bad it's just totally unnecessary and yeah yeah but we've addressed it it's there. We can move on. I just want to say there's another line here that I made a note of because it seemed a little insensitive. And that is during the anecdote about the Indian rope trick oh, by right, the, okay. the captain yeah. or the co-pilot. I can't remember who it is now. He says something like, oh, you never know when you encounter a, an Indian juju man. Oh. I'm not entirely sure what the... I mean, I, I, I get it contextually. I'm not entirely sure what the etymology of that is. I'm not entirely sure what the history of that term is, but it does seem quite derogatory, and I, I'm not on board with it. So th- there is just kind of a coating of political incorrectness throughout this serial, yeah. which unfortunately has really not aged well, you know, and, and we're going to have to most likely judge it based on that as well. Yeah, I mean, definitely. I think it's like the interesting about the Indian road trip, because I, I was still getting that kind of feeling just them telling this anecdote like it's called the indian yeah. road trip for a start it's yep. about con artists. it is a famous magic trick though it is yeah but you know it's it's saying a negative thing about something that has indian in the title so you know it's questionable yeah, true to put put that name in, it. in the same way that you know trump called it the chinese virus you know for example yeah that's you true know, there are definite questions that need to be had about that it's also in that bracket of this weird kind of otherworldly pedestal even or fascination of like other cultures that the british in particular have loved to put into media over the years you know particularly around this period whereas you know true east East asian things are seen as mystical and you always get like the wise sensei and all this kind of stuff and yeah indian heritage is yeah i don't know There's, there's always a weird kind of element going into it which i think maybe that story encompassed a little bit for me in a serial i mean within lines i think these two anecdotes actually kind of go hand in hand in the same serial where companions of the week are talking or of the month are talking about how asian purported magicians are not to be trusted the bad guy purports to be an asian looking magician that's very good observation actually that's very true yeah (laughs) Uh, yeah mm. oh i'm not okay with this i feel no. like my ratings dropping i mean the content in this serial is not great uh, in general like i would be happy to like treat this like straight down the middle of of score wise yeah it's interesting that you say that. I think the plot is actually kind of interesting in parts. It's just that it makes incredibly little sense. And then it is 
speckled with with this shit yeah i think that's the thing like like i said earlier this is not a terrible episode there are some really interesting right. things yeah here. but it, it has that element of throwing enough shit against the wall and seeing what sticks <laughs> yeah some, some respect but then and yeah you throw as is the case when you throw well. shit at walls you don't want it to stick <laughs> yeah, <sometimes>. <laughs> <laughs> i'm sorry i cut you off there <laughs> But yeah, like, like even if you accept that, accept that there's some good in here, there's some bad in there, so it probably kind of just sits nicely in the middle. Then you throw in this weird racist colonialism, yeah. British imperialist, whatever sentiment. Yeah, fuck witchery. You want to put it? Fuck witchery. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I mean that's a good catch-all to use in general. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say the the weird thing is that I mean the people that are talking about this Indian rope trick, for example. Maybe they're not commenting on Khalid, actually. But we have a very British-like companion of the week in The Captain. I can't even remember what his name is. He's just Captain in my notes throughout. Captain Stapley, and I recognised him. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. I'm so sorry. I don't want to cut you off. But I I had such a massive, like, what the what moment when he showed up on screen. And I couldn't place him. I recognised him so incredibly distinctly, but not as anything distinct. So I had to look him up on on IMDb. And the reason I recognised him, his name is Richard Easton. The reason I recognise him is that days ago i saw him in an episode of frasier with the rawmeister <laughs> wow yeah the rawmeister former co-host of who back when a current slash very new recent housemate of mine decided to treat me to his in his mind top three episodes of frasier and one of them is ham radio in which richard easton plays the character of mel white like holy smokeroonies and cheesecakes i saw this dude like days ago crazy <laughs> interesting i mean yeah. i mean i don't know if it's interesting <laughs> as such but you know what i mean it's like wow <laughs> and for that reason for the entire rest of uh, my notes i've just referred to him as mel white <laughs> nice but i'm yeah, sorry i cut you off he's He's a bit of a stereotype. Like, he's what I would imagine the BBC in 1982 to write a captain of, a, of an airline to be like, yeah. I guess. He's quite British. Absolutely. But by golly, leading into my Britishness myself, <laughs> he was <laughs> he was an entertaining and charming chap, <laughs> I thought. Right, yes. I completely especially, agree with you. Yeah, especially, like, there was, there was a scene, I think, where... Maybe it was, I forget which way around it was, but like Doc was being really smug about something and then the captain had to correct him and the captain got really smug about something or it was the other way around. And then the lovely scene at the end where it's the captain, the pilot and the co-pilot talking with the Heathrow official and they're just like joking about like time travel, yeah, space travel, the happy trails, safe travels. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, the farewells. <laughs> like, and he's, he's in the TARDIS and normally it infuriates me when people are just in the TARDIS pressing buttons, but he, he tries so to pilot purposely. it. He tries to sabotage. He is so good. Yeah. What, what a dude. And I found, I found Holy it weird. Okay, like, how about this? Oh, sorry. Go oh, sorry. Okay. <laughs> Only because I'm exuberant. I'm going to take over. I'm just going to say one thing. Can you imagine a classic Who version of The Next Doctor? You know, the the, the <gasps> episode, the, the Tenant episode, The Next Doctor. Imagine a classic Who version of that, but with Mel White, who wakes up in the TARDIS in like the middle of this serial like a, an explosion, a temporal explosion temporarily wipes his memory. He wakes up in the TARDIS and he now believes he is the Doctor. Mm, I would have watched that, yeah. Me too! <laughs> With a raging 
pulsating enthusiasm. <laughs> but I'm sorry, I did cut you off. What were you going to say? I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, just just about him being in the TARDIS. Like, there was a previous serial, I forget which one, where Tegan is in the TARDIS and frankly being annoying. Like, she is just yep. jamming her fists at buttons because she's upset. Like, it was more a kind of angst-driven, her trying to get away. Like, you kind of kind of understood the emotion there, but she was abandoning the Doctor to go in the TARDIS to press manically at random buttons rather than talking yeah. to the Doctor to try and get him to take her home sort of thing. Whereas this was someone with a similar connection to aircraft, well, probably a better connection to aircraft and understanding. Not obviously going to understand the TARDIS in the slightest. You know, that doesn't really help that you can pilot an aircraft. But with a, a goal in mind of let's try and keep the master out of this thing or delay him or something, sabotage it. And I quite enjoyed yeah, that. Yeah, I agree with you. Do you feel that... Maybe uh, uh, Tegan's performance here, not her performance, but her behavior here, which does contrast with the captain's, does it also contrast with her behavior in um, Earthshock, when all of a sudden she was very purposeful, when she knew exactly what she wanted and she went straight for it? I mean, she did so largely with a rifle in her hand, but she did have an objective. Like She had a, mm. a sense of direction. She wasn't just smashing buttons. She was like, fuck it, no, this needs to happen now. Yeah, no, she she was amazing in that. I, I, I really enjoyed her in this one as well. Like I I think that was a weird blip in episode two that her and Nissa got sidelined. Hi, Kat. Hi, Kat. But it was, it was very short-lived. I was really worried, like you've said, that they were going to get written out of this serial entirely. Yeah. I don't, don't think they had a brilliant introduction, then they were out of it for a bit. But I, I felt like both Tegan and Nyssa were more purposeful. I think you're right that Tegan goes a bit weird at the end. But I think it's understandable that you know, she arrives at Heathrow. It, it's annoying that she doesn't tell anyone that she goes off. And it's annoying that Doc leaves without her. But it's understandable that she would kind of look around the airport with a sense of uh, longing and like a weird weird maybe nostalgia in it i think that part is completely understandable i just feel like she should have told someone that she was doing that yeah so i guess the other main character we haven't touched against well we've got the, the pilot and the co-pilot which i feel like were a little bit kind of too backgroundy to make much of a mention of unless you have a particular thing but was the professor no i don't think so yeah professor bumbletron we get one in this <laughs> serial as well what a weird character. <laughs> yeah. I, one of my introductory questions for you was going to be, what the fuck, Professor Hater? And it, that is largely concerning his fate. But maybe before we go into the end of his character's participation here, perhaps we can talk about the character in general. How do you feel about him? Do you like him? Spoilers, I do. I think actually in general, I was mostly indifferent to him i i felt okay. like it was always all the interactions they decided to write for him the way they played out were just a bit too weird like and <laughs> he wasn't particularly maybe because he was a professor well, I, I think this is right a professor in kind of not psychic stuff but I maybe it was like he was looking into psychic abilities or he definitely has a speciality in hypnosis but i don't hypnosis. know if that's okay. what he is a professor of he he knows a lot about hypnosis and ultrasonics because holy smokes this dude is obsessed with ultrasonics <laughs> what is that that's clearly a hallucination brought about by ultrasonics 
Yeah, yeah, fine. <laughs> Whatever, prof. <laughs> Whatever you <Just> say. <laughs> rub it in Doc's face. I don't have my Sonic anymore. Ultra raw otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it, it was just, yeah, like, things like that. This weird obsession with stuff. The fact, you know, that Dink, he's a professor of, or very knowledgeable about hypnosis. Oh, look, that's what the master's doing this week. Then he steps but in and is. sacrifices himself when... Yeah, that's the thing I don't get. <laughs> yeah. But, but, I mean, I think it's fine that he is a specialist in, in hypnosis, or in ultrasonics, whatever it is, because that's the reason we have him here. Like, we... Yeah, had he not been, then he would also have succumbed to the ultrasonics wielded by uh, the master. But because yeah, he okay, knows fine. so much about it, he's able to take himself out. But then when he demonstrates to the others, like when he uses his knowledge to get other people out of their trances, he literally just goes, yeah, well, I, I mean, think about something else. <laughs> yeah. Okay, then done. <laughs> <laughs> I, do you need a specialist to tell you that? I mean, Think hey, about don't, something else. Don't oh, knock it. Right. It worked. <laughs> He was, yeah, just a, a bit of an oddball, and I didn't, I didn't warm to him that I would normally warm to a Bumbletron. No, nor I. Don't know I. Why. There is, there is one scene where he comes pretty close to having me warm to him, though, and that is where everyone is coming to the 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 passengers of the first Concorde. They're coming to. They're wondering why they're in this weird spaceship or mausoleum, whatever it is, and Doc tells Professor Hater, Professor Bumbletron, listen. I hope you like it explaining things. Like, if you were to come to under these circumstances, you would have a lot of questions. This now falls on your shoulders, effectively. This is on your plate. And Bumbletron, when he is approached by, um, I can't remember her name now, but... Um, I think it's Angela? And Yes, oh, yes, you're right, Angela. When Angela approaches him, instead of answering her questions, he immediately, and with a really wry smile on his face basically delegates the answering to the doctor and i quite like that exchange it's like professor yeah. this is your job you go for it okay i'm gonna go for it you ask him i'm pointing at the doctor. <laughs> i like that yeah i did like angela that though angela was shit wasn't she wowee <laughs> i was not convinced by literally anything she did like absolutely nothing at one point i have written angela is just shit what does Ainley want with her? I mean, he wants all of them to pick up a shovel, but uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> at one point, he leads them into his TARDIS. He's like, yeah, come with me, come into my TARDIS. I'm like, why? Like, she's not going to be able to convince you of anything. I think at that point, was was he going to like basically just turn them into dust and use their life force as something? I've forgotten. Oh, you're I don't right. Think I've yes, he's like basically going to... Is he going to use them to? Is he going to turn them into plasmatons or something? I'm not quite sure, but basically they they were another kind of fuel or something at that. Yeah, point. I think you're right. Oh yeah, no, that answers my question perfectly. Yeah, I I didn't think she was as bad as you're making out, but she wasn't great. But I did quite like um, the the general kind of delusion conversations that I think there was another one of the crew members, maybe of the other team, or, or maybe the co-pilot at some point, he got hypnotized. There were a few scenes of basically one of the non-hypnotized people trying to talk to them, and they would be talking back as if they were 
just on the plane, like trying to do something. And I, I would quite like those scenes. I agree. They were quite nice. Uh, sit down. Uh, we will be landing very soon. Or uh, the bar yeah. will open as soon as we've reached the whatever altitude. Like, yeah, no, that is cool. That is really, really cool. I yeah. I agree with you. That's a nice touch. But yeah, beyond that, I'm not quite sure what those characters really added to stuff. <laughs> okay, but returning to Professor Bumbletron, what the hell happened? With, like, what is his sacrifice about? And then he reappears in the TARDIS and he fixes the TARDIS. Like, he navigates the TARDIS back to this planet. Sorry, back to the Earth, <laughs> prehistoric Earth. And then he, we never see him again. Like, what? Yeah, that was weird. Especially as... I can't think of it exactly, but I I got the impression that he was a bit selfish, and I think maybe there was there was a essence of the doc perhaps saying like you should care about your fellow passengers, and he was trying to just like take the 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 easiest option to get out of there while they could sort of thing. And I think maybe something oh, else happened so? happened again with the captain I, saying something to him. Oh really? I thought that it was just his quest for knowledge that like he is somehow tempted by. I mean, he knows nothing about them, by the way. Like, he knows absolutely nothing about them, except that maybe Doc has said at some point, they're alien and they're omniscient. And so when they go, we need to, we're going to merge with someone, whatever. Like, Nissa is, they're communicating through Nissa. He immediately just goes, I will do this. Fine, I'll die, but like, I'll know everything. And then they turn him into a hemorrhoid. And then one episode later... He suddenly just appears in the TARDIS. How did he get to, into the TARDIS? I mean, he seems to have been turned into a god. <laughs> but yes, I think they exactly. Said, they said that maybe he was part of the, the Xerophon again. And they, they had done things. Why? I, uh, I don't why know. do they even need that? I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know if maybe I wasn't clear. I, I was just saying I didn't understand his sacrifice po- from the point of view of he seemed like quite a selfish individual. And oh, I see. Oh, right. Okay. I think you're definitely right. That was his justification. It was this idea of gaining knowledge. So it wasn't about a sacrifice, really. It wasn't stepping in to save Nyssa or stepping in to perform the role that Nyssa was going to do, which will be to save everyone else. It was a selfish act to get some information, well, knowledge. Get which I guess all bit, the which I guess bits, actually. Yeah. yeah, I guess that was the thing. At, at the time, I was putting it in the context of he's stepping in to mean that Nyssa doesn't have to sac- sacrifice herself, but actually he was stepping in to gain some knowledge. Yeah, I think I think the, the emphasis is quite heavily on the latter. I am slightly bothered by him suddenly appearing in the TARDIS and then never reappearing. So is he just like a Q? Is he a member of the Q continuum, just like bouncing around time and space, doing whatever he wants? And if that's the case... Could the Seraph, uh, sorry, the Zeraphin do that with literally anyone? What didn't they? Like, <laughs> does this benefit yeah. them? I don't know. Are I mean... they inside him? No, they're not. They're back on their own world now, and as is the Master, and uh, because the radiation is no longer there, they can rematerialize. Yeah, I didn't understand the end of this. Really, it didn't feel like again that there's enough of a oh no we've dealt with this situation nothing problematic is ever going to happen again <laughs> it was yeah yeah no we've just we've moved the problem a little bit further down the line <laughs> <laughs> exactly you know what all this is doing it is definitely dragging my raising down <laughs> i'm so sorry <laughs> it is a shame because i enjoyed i do did enjoy watching a lot of this i think me too I think there were some interesting concepts in here. I think there were some really good performances. 
there were some weird choices, which I think uh, are due to budget constraints with like sets and <laughs> tiny model concords. <laughs> That's a, I love those miniatures. They are great. I love the miniature concords and I love the miniature castle in the background. That scene is beautiful. I love the special effect of the bubbles overlaid onto people. Yeah, that was good. Oh, yeah. Oh, you know I've got a thing for all these classic Doctor Who special effects. They get me massively aroused. Uh, <laughs> and this serial is no exception. This is something that I meant to say before. A lot of the criticism that I saw in the trivia, I think this is like criticism by members of the cast, including Davison. This is probably taken from the DVD commentary track, which I've not listened to. But that criticism was about the budget. Here we go. Peter Davison has apparently said, a very good story, but we had run out of money. We filmed the prehistoric landscape of Heathrow Airport in Studio 8 with a model Concorde in the back of the studio. The monsters were bits of foam. We didn't do the story justice. I never felt that the production values were too low. The only thing that was was missing was, you know dinosaurs <laughs> or any kind of life in uh, on prehistoric earth yeah I, I didn't mind it being a bit of a barren landscape i think i did have a slight issue with the model concords not a massive oh, yeah. problem i just felt, felt like they were really obvious <laughs> as as models which it, <laughs> no because it was weird because they were flipping between that and stock footage if they'd just done models for everything it probably would have been true. better and then that's true yeah the big negative with the stock footage was when they show it taking off from prehistoric earth and you can see buildings in the background. (laughs) It's the best. I love that scene. And then they've just like overlaid a rock wall over part of the runway. No, that one was great. Love it. The one they did, it was, yeah, the one that was straight on and that, you know, it's coming towards you. They overlay yeah. the rocks oh, oh, on sorry, it. Oh, so you're thinking of a different one. Yeah, that yeah. that was great. Literally, as part of that same, same kind of setup of the, the Concord leaving prehistoric Earth, prehistoric. there's a previous yeah. one where it's like sideways on the runway or something. I forget exactly. But if that's so clearly just a shot of a Concord taking off from Heathrow Airport or another airport and they haven't touched it at all (laughs) and you can see like all the buildings (laughs) in the background and stuff and it's just like no what are you doing like we don't even need that you got one that works very well Uh, (laughs) I'm so sorry I completely missed the scene I was probably furiously beating off to the previous (laughs) compilation shot I don't mind I'm so happy that we get that Likewise, if someone leans against a cave wall and the entire cave wobbles, excellent. Love it. More <laughs> of that, please. If- or like <laughs> at every junction, like almost like there's wind blowing against the the, uh, the master's TARDIS. It's just wobbling the entire time. <laughs> and then people are coming out of it and it just looks like the most unstable yeah. thing ever. Yeah, yeah. When are you getting to the negative aspect? That's great. <laughs> Like I'm, I'm fairly certain they must have had to stop filming a number of times because the master's column fell over. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> that's all right, master. We've all been there. <laughs> Production value in general, I think, actually, there there are weird things that they have invested in, and other things that they clearly haven't. I mean, the the, the haven't side of it is the wobbly sets and the kind of crap very very naff or poor jobs in terms of compositing you know footage but then there are other things that are great the sets where khalid pre-master master 
mm. is doing his chanting, which holy smokes did that great on me. But when he's doing his chanting into a crystal ball, they take a panel off the crystal ball, reveal lots of tech in there. That's really cool stuff, man. Yeah. I, we get I to see like the, the wheel of a Concord. Is that not awesome? <laughs> it was awesome. And then I, I loved how the plot made it that the only problem with the Concord was located around that wheel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, the rest of it's Perfect. fine. It's just this one bit that um, you've seen. Yeah. It's nothing to do yeah. with the... Should we pan up? Nope. No, 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 no Nothing to do with the wings or the engine. No, they're, they're all good. Uh, anything Can about we look the... at the wings? Oh, why would we need to? They're fine. The, the tail, the tail's <laughs> fine. Yeah, the tail's fine. Yeah. In fact, all the other wheels are fine as well. It's just this one. That's the one that's the problem. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Amazing stuff. <laughs> Very good stuff. Yeah. I think that was the thing with this this serial for me, though. It was just lots of weird bits of it all over the place. So if you if you manage to take some good, there was always something weird or bad closely following like this whole thing with the wheel for example yeah why did we have this random macgyvering of oh we need to get some some hydraulic air what? or i pressure, loved that pressured air and it's it was so unnecessary so like it That's felt all good felt so <laughs> bolted on to give a couple of characters something to do and then doc has to have a line to say ah you'll need some compressed air and captain's like don't worry we got it from a wheel and you know previously the captain's made this thing about you don't need to jack up it uh the aircraft you can just dig a hole hey, on one wheel to, and you know i don't know it yeah, was just i love that bit. i thought that bit was so clever mel white's like yeah, yeah don't worry about it we don't need to lift up a thing we dig underneath it that is clever. It is clever. I was going to single like... out of that bit as like, that is some well-crafted scripting. Well done, Grim Wade. Was this Grim Wade? Yeah, well done, Grim Wade. Yeah, I mean, I, I do agree. I like I liked that element. It just, then the, the, the payoff from it was just time just on the screen like it didn't i don't know it didn't yeah. feel like we were working together like to get these people off prehistoric earth it just felt like someone's filling out the 20 minutes of the last episode <laughs> yeah yeah no you're right i feel like i read somewhere in the trivia i i, I didn't add it to my notes but I, I think i read somewhere in the trivia that one of the episodes ran super duper low like really super duper low and grimwade had to then write six or seven minutes of utter filler and that filler was all about uh oh yeah it's the scene where do you remember when mel white and i think the co-pilot they go into the tardis and they leave their third body the other ba crew member behind just like hiding mm. behind some rocks so oh, yeah, apparently yeah. that segment was six or seven minutes shorter in the original script. Wow. And Grimwade was basically forced to extend, like effectively write that whole scene because the episode ran short. And who knows, maybe maybe the other, you know, maybe there are other scenes in this serial that suffer the same fate. And therefore uh, some of us in this case, in brackets, you uh, felt that some of these scenes were gratuitous. Personally, I thought they were a nice addition. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> I've just looked up Peter Grimwade. So he was a production assistant beforehand on Doctor Who. He was a production assistant on Horror Fang Rock, Robots of Death, Pyramids of Mars, uh, Robot, The Daemons, Spearhead from Space. I'm going backwards here. Uh, like some fairly legendary serials. And then when it comes to the writing, he wrote Time Flight. Mordrin Undead, I'm going to have to look up when that is, and Planet of Fire. 
Let's find out. I have a feeling that these are all Fifth Doctor ones. Yeah, they are. 1982 and 1984. Is that true? Sorry, 1983 and 1984. Ah, so next season. Yeah, Peter Davison stuff. So I guess for me, there's one thing we haven't really talked about in depth, which is The Master. Dang right. Yeah. Yeah, take it away, man. I'm not sure if I really liked The Master in this. Hmm. I, I don't. Okay. What about him did you dislike? And would you count Khalid as a part of the Master here as well, or are you separating pre- and post-reveal? Hmm, that's an interesting point. And it's made me now realize maybe what you were talking about earlier with him making these sounds when he was on his own. Because I took that to be effectively spellcraft, which fit with the persona of Khalid. But when it's the master doing it, yeah, was that just nonsense? I mean, I... Yeah, <laughs> I don't. I don't know. Why would he? He didn't need to do that. There was no one else around. No, and he doesn't do it afterwards. Does he not? I kind of got the impression whenever Khalid is seen to do something that's using the force from the Zeraphin, yeah, Khalid makes those spell noises. Yeah, but does the master ever? He doesn't. He like he relies on gadgetry. Oh, I see. Uh, no, you're right. He never yeah. plugs wires into the Zeraphin and goes, hurrah, roo, hurrah. You know, no, he, you're uh, absolutely right. Yeah. Which, is, which feeds into the big question, why even have this separate persona? Did it achieve anything? Nothing. The only reason he could conceivably be... Uh, <laughs> be playing this part is because he expects the doctor to show up and even then is is it that much of a laugh to dress up and go ha fooled you doc you thought it was someone else but really it was me ha ha what a good old gag ha <laughs> <laughs> master what a card yeah no maybe the master's has the master done this in the past he certainly has done that in the recent recent past with um oh with the 13th doctor in what was whatever it was called spy Spyfall? Spy, 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 Spyfall? Yeah, yeah, Spyfall. I mean, that Were felt he... more manipulative, though. It was like trying to get the Doctor engaged with that other persona and... That is true. Setting yeah, things that up. that is true. Yeah, that felt purposeful. This does not... And also, I would argue that we've seen it recently with this master with... Uh, it was, it's not Castrovalvo, it was Logopolis? Uh, the the one where he yeah. made Adric imagine in a, a whole society and he became the... Yeah, that's Logopolis. Bing bong, future Leon here. Nope, that was Castrovalva. Bing bong. Where he also dresses up and... I can't remember what his name is now, but yeah, he dresses up as uh, a bumbly old chap. Yeah. I want to say it was the Portrieve, but maybe that was something else entirely. Yes! Oh, maybe... No, I think it is the Portrieve. We'll go with it. Apologies, podcast. I'm totally wrong. (laughs) But yeah. Oh, whatever. But anyway, yeah, that (laughs) that was the kind of thing again of... I, f- I feel like that was more, you know, luring the Doctor in. That that felt like more of a, a game and a joke. And I can't remember if it actually had a purpose. I feel so like it I, didn't. I, I do have a question but... for you in this regard. There is a scene towards the end of the serial where the Master and the Doctor, they have this absolutely fantastic gadget off. I'll give you the quantum accelerator if uh, you give me the temporal limiter. <laughs> yeah. Okay, cool. That's pretty rad. Does that mean that the Master actually needed the Doctor to be there, or anyone with a TARDIS, in order to get this gadget? I didn't think so. I felt like the Master knew what he wanted, and if he'd been allowed to 
finish his plan with the Xerophon, that would have been enough. Like, that seemed to be the way things mm. were set up. And it was only because the Doc intervened that things from the TARDIS, so from the Master's TARDIS, were sabotaged, effectively. Like, the bits that were taken you're from right, actually. Doc's TARDIS to... Although, maybe he did need the bits from Doc's TARDIS. I don't know. Maybe maybe he did need Doc's Wait, TARDIS. Wait, no! Because it's in the Doctor's TARDIS that uh, Mel White and his, his chum sabotage stuff. Yeah, no, you're it's right. It's not in the Master's TARDIS, so why does the Master... Hmm... I think that was a bit of a wishy thing with, with this. Yeah, why it's not the great serial that it could have been, what yeah. have you. Oh, yeah, but what you've described, that, that whole kind of exchange, it was kind of nice, but that is the main driving reason I didn't like the master in this serial, because of things like that, where it felt like someone who is willing to do the things that the master does. Like, he, he kills people by compressing them. He will just yeah. shoot people with his zappy device thing or you know it he will go to lengths that the doctor will not go to to get things done and then just to have a scene where they're having an exchange without any kind of threat or any anything like he's got some hostages okay he hasn't even shot a hostage yet like the stakes are no, he very knows that high. he's able to he knows that he's able to and he also has the xerophon um, aboard his tardis so the doctor has sorry the master has a lot of leverage i quite like that exchange you see that's interesting that's like the i mean <laughs> It's perhaps really a far cry from it, but it does, if I have to, no, this is, oh, this is a horrible parallel. God damn, what am I doing? I wanted to say <laughs> this is almost exactly like the diner scene in Heat, where Pacino and De Niro meet up, and they're like, uh, we're on either side of this, but it's fine. This is my either Pacino or De Niro impression. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like it, the protagonist and the antagonist, they meet up. My Paniero. Oh man, I'm so hungry right now. Oh wow, I could have a Paniero. <laughs> it's that balance of protagonist, antagonist meeting up. They're having some kind of exchange. It's a verbal exchange. In this case, it's an even. It's even a gadget exchange. And because of leverage and this, uh, you know, nuclear deterrent, if you will, they are forced to keep their weapons down. Like they're forced to be civil with each other. But that's fine. Agree to disagree, man. Yeah, I just. <sighs> Oh, wow. Great episode. 4.8. <laughs> it just felt like the basically the stakes were the master wants something that the doctor has or knows where it is. I forget exactly what it what it was. I think the master just needed another bit from Atalis. But I think the, the real big thing for me is that the master is just wanting something from the doctor. He doesn't, he doesn't have to just do an exchange. The master can just be the asshole that the master is shoot ah. everyone blow up shit i don't know what whatever he needs them. to get stuff done just to get one thing he needs one thing and then he gives up all his leverage basically he gives up the passengers and the crew that he's got he gives up parts from the tardis he doesn't keep anything in yeah. reserve like he he's smart about Wait, the exchange so but that's it like he goes away with nothing extra like he's in a such a powerful position and he goes away with nothing beyond what he minimally wanted oh you're right no that's you're totally right I, I was gonna say yeah but he's stranding them in prehistoric times but that's also not true because they're free to go wherever they want and like yeah. only a few series ago he tried to he is on multiple occasions the last few times that we've seen him he has just trying to either blow up the doctor strand him in a black hole or whatever it is crash him into a planet like he, he just 
just wants to constantly murder the doctor. <laughs> yeah. And here it's just like, oh yeah, I'll have that gadget, please. Oh, thanks. Yes, here, bye. You're right. This is wildly uncharacteristic of the master. That's the way it felt to me. It, it, unfortunately, I think it's a recurring thing now with Ainsley's master that it's just slightly under-delivering on the, the kind of threat scale, I suppose. Yeah. A hell of a maniacal laugh, though. Yeah. I, I can't yeah. really fault the performance other than, obviously, the, the racist element of Khalid, but... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, true. You brought up the miniaturization thing before. I think this might be my my final observation that in, in any way relates to the master, but we do get to see his... Well, we get to see two of the Xerophin who have been uh, tissue compressed yeah. by the master. That's, that's some creepy shit. It is super creepy. And I, I love that it was... You know, figures of a uh, well, it, that, that seems a bit of callous language to use, but they, you know, they picked them up thinking they were figurines yeah. of an alien species because it had that kind of feel of like they were almost in a tomb and these they looked like Definitely. kind of ancient Egyptian artifacts, you know, that you would, I mean, personally, I would see in a museum, like I would never oh, yes. see these in a real situation. And to then learn that these were real people, these were you know, an alien species that the master has yeah. compressed. Like it, it felt somehow you know different, but more real in a way than when you see like the dolls of people that almost have a kind of comedic element you can never quite remove because you know they're dolls of people. Yeah, that's true. I hadn't made the parallel with a tomb within a pyramid. I think that's spot on. Oof, maloof. That's some creepy stuff, man. (laughs) Did you want to do cliffhangers, by the way? Yes. Let's go and do some cliffhangers. What do we have in this serial? I think they were more more interesting than we've had in the last couple of serials. We've not been super consistent with this um, segment, as you may have realized out there in podcast. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of that is because they have been a little bit shit. And also, we've been overrun and tired. We recorded like (laughs) hours, like multiple hours when we get to the cliffhanger bit and just gone, maybe next week. (laughs) Is it really worth it? Does anyone give a shit? I think people are clamoring for this, dude. Yeah, maybe maybe they care about this one. Because so, what do we get? End of episode one. This is where we first see, oh my goodness, I've forgotten what the bubble things are called. Plasmatons. Plasmatons. There we go. So we've had the effect of them taking uh, Bilton and Scobie. I mean, Yep. If they're not wanting to be part of unit, I don't know who are. <laughs> yeah, the actual cliffhanger is the plasmatons, plasmatroids, whatever. Plasmatroids. That's plasmatroids. so much better. <laughs> plasmatroids, unite. <laughs> I was just going to say plasmatroids assemble. <laughs> assemble. That's better. <laughs> yeah, they, they appear around the dock. And uh, he gets disappeared. Oh my goodness, what's going to happen? Yeah, I think that kind of doesn't really lead much. My notes on the start of episode two are a bit kind of, oh, things are just continuing. I don't know. Doc's going to be oh, okay. okay. <laughs> Nissa seems to know that Doc's being okay. This is her ESP coming in. I don't know if she knows about this. I think this is the Xerophin know that he is okay. And because she yeah, has this she's sensitivity. Yeah, exactly. I, yeah, I think it turned out Doc didn't really get taken anywhere. He's just surrounded by bubbles, and eventually he gets freed, and he's just lying on the ground. Yeah, that makes uh, sense. Later on yeah. in episode two. So, yeah, it was fine. It was interesting. I was intrigued at the end of that episode. Episode two, we end up with the probably the best like big reveal in this entire serial. It's Khalid is not Khalid. Even though he's yep. melted, just gets up. It's the master. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> 
Oh, once again, you have failed to recognize me under this entirely superfluous get-up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's right, Master. Yeah, well done. <laughs> well done, yes. I'm sorry, I'm bravo, not expecting bravo. everyone I meet to be you. <laughs> <laughs> if I played also, that game, Khalid you would lose like all had... time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And Khalid did look like he had a lot of rubber on his face, but if I went around just like poking people in the face because I thought that they were wearing a rubber mask, that'd be rude. Like <laughs> some of them would not be. <laughs> <laughs> Some, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like the doctor probably meets an inordinate amount of people, like a disproportionate amount of people wearing rubber masks. Yes, that's probably true. <laughs> it's the doctor and Scooby-Doo. <laughs> yeah, so how again, does part three start? There's I, there's no kind of reveal or such, because the reveal was the cliffhanger, really, which I like as a cliffhanger yeah. myself. So, you know, part three just kicks right into it, explaining what the hell's going on with the master, then having some conversations. Good stuff, you know. That's how you... Uh, yeah. Nicely drive out of that. And the uh, so end of episode three, we have, it seems, the master winning. He has got the Xerophin transferred to his TARDIS. And in yeah. fact, the last dialogue we get is Tegan saying, well, what does this mean? And Doc saying, it means that the master has finally defeated me. I mean, oh my goodness, literal defeatism, yeah, Doc. If, <laughs> yeah, if that is not worthy of a da-da-da, then I don't <laughs> know what is. Indeed. I mean, that's pretty weird stuff for the Doc to say, especially as episode four then turns into the Doc just going, oh, you know, after the fact, oh no, I gave him this, but really I made it do this. And then, then I set this in motion. And then I did this. And, <laughs> and actually, you know, since the entire start of the universe i have made such convoluted and well-timed plans that nothing could ever have gone wrong <laughs> certainly not <laughs> <laughs> yeah so again it's it's a cliffhanger that's just really a revelation and so the episode four just kind of starts nicely so overall okay. i quite enjoyed these cliffhangers they were just like nice i was gonna ask nice poignant points where you're intrigued but not left with a stupid resolution good stuff nice i'm glad to hear it so that's two points that in my notes i made incorrect predictions about how you would feel about something oh really because i wrote i don't think jim's gonna like these cliffhangers and at one point i wrote where is it where is it in part four i've written so many people in tardises bet jim cakes disapproves because of so many people in tardises yeah Oh, because they're allowed people are to like be letting like just randos, yeah, total randos in Tardises. Yeah, not as big of a problem as I found in the past, but yeah. Okay, fair enough. Not yeah. great. So, how would you feel about trying to assess the merits of this serial numerically? You mean should we rate this? Oh, let's. <laughs> <laughs> And now it is time to rate this. Did we laugh or hate this? Bing bong, bing bong, hey, la 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 la. Ratings. So yet again, I have lost the finger on tip of nose game, and will be having to sum up the serial in some kind of fashion and put a number at the end of it first. Okay, what the yeah. hell do I Good really luck. think? I've got some random notes here, so I'm just gonna go through them. Thumbs down stuff, questionable master moves motives whatever we we have talked about this like i don't understand why the master was into making a deal why didn't he just kill everyone and take the things that he wanted why yeah. is there such a big point made about the fact that the master's tardis is around the older concord which was beaten up and then the master's tardis can't appear around doc's tardis like there's i don't know 
two major it must be huge <laughs> bits in this this serial that say a TARDIS can appear around other things but a TARDIS can't appear around other things you know and it, yeah it just didn't quite fit with me it was a bit weird there are other scenes that felt like a filler almost or just like weird dialogue Tegan saying I saw Concord once on the tarmac in Melbourne as she is staring at a Concord on the tarmac in Heathrow <laughs> Why? <laughs> Such a weird line. Um, <laughs> the, yeah, the well, MacGyvering of the Concord repair parts, scenes, whatever, at the at the end as well, I felt entirely superfluous. Did not fit into the, the structure of the story for me at all. So that was a bit weird. We had some weird dock moments. I've already said, like, in general, I really enjoyed the dock in this. But at the start, we have, like, a, a big negative for me, like, in Doc's character of saying regarding can we go back and save Adric don't ever ask me to do anything like that again you know he would got super yes. kind of angry and I think the only time actually he did this during the serial just didn't fit with how Doctor Who treats these fixed time points and how we expect the Doctor to react to these kind of things I don't know that took me out of the moment a little bit and a very weird thing related to that he also said regarding Adric, he wouldn't want us to mourn unnecessarily. Really? Like, where the fuck did that come from? It's like, no, we should all cheer ourselves up by going to see the Great Exhibition in London, or whatever. I don't know. Just super yeah. weird things happening <laughs> there at the start. But like I said, Doc was otherwise great. I, I thought he was much more commanding and in control of everything during this serial. I think in general worked well with the companions and the companions of the week. There was one point as well when he starts revealing all these MacGuffins that he's made happen, which I didn't fully buy and understand. But his smile when he's explaining that you know the the master will arrive after Doc and Co in his TARDIS, you know that was beautiful. It was it was all lovely stuff to watch. Great stuff. Also, as a general kind of over overall, I felt the companions were quite good in this serial. There was a, a brief moment where it felt like they were being sidelined, but actually that turned out not to be as big of a problem as it could have been. I liked that Tegan, you know, was in mourning and grief stricken at the start and basically saying the things I was saying at the end of the last serial. Why can't they go back and just rescue Adric but let the freighter crash and still cause the extinction of the dinosaurs? Which, yeah, it was good to have a character doing that and I think it was good that it was Tegan that did that. I also, yeah. I think I like this ESP ability they really leaned into for Nyssa. I think that makes her character interesting and gives her a purpose that has been missing through other serials. And so her role through this serial felt very impactful and her as a character felt more rounded. It was really good. And yeah, as another kind of random plus point, I really liked Captain uh, Stapley as well. Stapley, I'm not sure how he's ever. Yeah. Mel yeah, White. Good stuff. We've already talked about it. Which, it's, it's a bit of a mixed bag as it's often the case with some of these serials. But my final big double thumbs down, unfortunately, is for the racism in the room. So uh -huh. <laughs> even if it's a middling thing, which might mean it's a 2.5, a little bit above, maybe. I don't know. I have to knock off a bit for that as well. I'm not I'm not gonna just like give it a zero or something. These things do have to be taken in context. Even in the 80s. Unfortunately, this was normalized. I'm not going to judge it harshly from where I sit in 2021. Just take a little bit down from that. So yeah, you're about to receive some emails, dude. <laughs> I might well do. I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> sorry, it's, sorry. It's just how I feel like we have to address the classic who in general. <laughs>
I agree. I agree. Otherwise, many serials would be getting a zero. It's it's that yeah. shameful. Like there, there is racism, there is sexism, there are so many things wrong in many of them, and it would just be ridiculous to judge them on that. So yeah, it just I guess a little bit of a kicking down from that, and I settled on two point Ooh, 2.0, you say. Okay. Yeah. Not where I thought you were heading with that. Okay, oh, okay. interesting. <laughs> yeah, okay. Okay, all right. Cool, cool, cool. Excellent stuff. I'm going to bullet point mine. I, I started at first thinking, you know what, maybe I can do the likes and boofs thing for my list as well. And then I realized there are likes and boofs for every aspect of this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, there are certain parts of Doc that I like, certain parts of Doc that I dislike. And that, that can be applied for everyone and everything in this serial, I think. So I'm just going to bullet point this per character or, or aspect, if you will. So Doc, good stuff until he reveals that he clearly doesn't give a toss about Tegan. So actually, yeah, good stuff across the board. Oh. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm sorry. That was unnecessarily harsh. You mentioned he has a line about like, oh, don't ever ask me to do this again. We, we neglected to talk about this in, in our review. This is like the first time that we have a conversation led by the doctor about there being rules to time travel. There are certain rules that cannot be broken, even with the TARDIS, he says. Poss- possibly the first time. Maybe I'm mistaken. Possibly the first time. Tegan, she is annoying, then great, then semi-absent, then annoying again, then great, then totally absent. But on average, she's good. I like her. Nissa. Yeah, okay. Uh, I agree with you regarding her psychic abilities. That's pretty cool stuff. On average, I like her. Good. Adric. What a surprise. Yeah, Adric shows up, then treats us to his O face, and then fades away into obscurity. Fine. Uh... The master, racist stereotype, then excessively maniacal, then just a little meh, but what a laugh, eh? <laughs> what a laugh. <laughs> could have done without this being a master serial, quite frankly. Like I feel I feel like this could have been something completely different. Or if it if if they were going to make this a master serial, then make it masterful. Long gone are the days of his ingenious plotting, his deviousness. This seemed largely coincidental. What else? Professor Bumbletron really enjoyed this character as well until he was transmogrified into some sort of Trakan keeper without a word of explanation. Interesting piece of trivia for the role of um, hater Bumbletron. Two actors, a lot of actors were considered, but two actors in particular, namely Peter Cushing, who played the Doctor, and Michael Goff, who played the um, uh, Celestial Toymaker. Hmm. Yeah. Mel White, also great. That's the captain. I thought there was a particularly fun scene when he and his chum go into the TARDIS and they're like, how do we close the door? How do we close the door? And they look at the switch, the red switch that is now very clearly the door switch. And they just go, oh, I wouldn't have thought it was that. And they don't even try it and <laughs> yeah. walk around. Like, that's, a, that's a nice touch. The aliens, the Xerophim. I'm not sure why they're called Xerophim. They made me think of the Seraphim, the, the angels, but that's not it. I did like the concept behind them, though, that the whole race has somehow metaphysically human centipeded themselves into one globule and and that's just where they are until the radiation poisoning wears off <laughs> like fine that's, i like that that's a cool <laughs> answer. in general the aliens here were really cool we get a few of them just as holograms we get to see the plasma hemorrhoids we get to see the melka from keeper of Traken. yeah uh, there's a fish dinosaur type thing a two-headed worm scorpion whatever cool stuff in general production value i think is largely absent but when it is there and occasionally it is there on screen it is charmingly crap and i <laughs> like charmingly crap <laughs> yes you do <laughs> 
I do. You know what? I, I'm kind of done. Like, this is okay, but it is not great. I understand why it is panned. I think it's unfortunate that it, it is largely panned for budgetary reasons, because it clearly has potential. But I, too, am rating it down because of the blatant racism and because of the fact that it makes almost no freaking sense. And I have given this <laughs> 1.5. Nice. I immediately feel like I've gone too high. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't you worry. <laughs> How about we see if Podcast Land agrees with us? That sounds like a spiffing idea. Listener minis. Now let's hear from Podcast Land. Max 250, or it would get out of hand. Kablamatron! We have arrived at the Listener Mini section of this podcast episode. Whoop whoop. We, <laughs> we have a, a lot of Listener Minis. Thank you, everyone who sent something in. Was it 10? Did we count 10 gym cakes? I believe so. It was a literal two handful. <laughs> a real two hander. Uh, we are, once again, as we uh, are occasionally want to do, we are selecting excerpts from these minis to be read out. And uh, we wholeheartedly encourage you to go to whobackone.com where you will find all of these minis, and in one case, a maxi, in their full splendor. Mm-mm. So. First out the gate, we've got Stephen from Canada. From Canada. <laughs> Hello, Stephen. <laughs> Hello, Stephen. Stephen says, snip, 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 snip. And then he says, is there anything good to say? Well, yes. The location filming was very good. The first and last episodes are certainly watchable, with the ending being somewhat touching. And Adric's return, quote unquote, was well done. It's nice to see his death wasn't brushed off too quickly. Uh, interesting trivia. I did read about the fact that Matthew Waterhouse was in this. It's literally, he was contracted yeah. to be to the end of the season. <laughs> <laughs> So they just could put him in Wrote there. him in. Yeah, I guess. But it was nice. It was nice. <laughs> I, I grant you that. I agree. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Stephen finishes with, overall, this story earns one green pureed exposition dumping tweed emblazoned rusky hating Professor Bumbletron out of five. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Excellent. Also loving the reference to Professor Bumbletron. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thank you very much, Stephen. People who are not Stephen, head on over to uh, whobackone.com, read Stephen's mini. Thanks very much, Stephen. Next up, who we got? Why, we've got Kieran Evans. What up, Kieran? Kieran, again, we are snipping the first segments and coming up with the last couple of paragraphs, which are something like this. Well, the master is back again. And at least the back and forth of the doctor is nice and good fun. And we lose Tegan? Well, we'll see about that. I can't really say much more about this one. It's probably worse than four to doomsday, but I had fun watching it. So two out of five somehow. (laughs) Generous. (laughs) Kieran adds... The Fifth Doctor's first season thoughts. Mixed, but some promising stories. Also re-watching the season for this, I think you get the Fifth Doctor fairly quickly. He just wants to have a good time, but gets shit thrown at him. Hmm, interesting. That's fair, by the way. That's Ooh, totally yeah. fair. He seems slightly more happy-go-lucky, less adventurous and exploratory. Yes. Yeah. Uh, good call, Kieran. Very nice. People are not Kieran. Head on over to whobackwanna.com. You know the drill. Read as many in its full splendor. You can also head on over to Twitter where you can say hello to Kieran and order your very own electric van. He can be found at... Why, it's it's the KJE Vans. Not the first, though. It's number two. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, that wasn't all one thing. It's it's KJ Evans, too. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Evans, now I get it! Oh! <laughs> 
Kieran, I really hope people are asking you for electric vans. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much for your mini. Thank you, Kieran. Who we got next? Ed Corbe. <laughs> Hello, Ed. hello ed yes it's no coincidence again that uh we are reading the end of ed's review (laughs) and the (laughs) lot of a paragraph sounds a little bit like this anthony ainley rejoins us playing the master and a ferengi (laughs) (laughs) yep (laughs) i guess Kali's job is to make us pleased when the master turns up doesn't work <laughs> he uses numerous <laughs> illusions and threats to the pilots to make doc surrender the tardis none work and then just goes with do it or i'll shoot them and it works a treat probably should <laughs> just start with that next time yeah very good point <laughs> yeah here's my friend <laughs> that continues yeah <laughs> Ed concludes, This story may have had potential, but the budget really hurts it. The big climax of bouncing the Master's TARDIS was woefully underwhelming. They go to the Jurassic-slash-Cretaceous period, and not one dinosaur. Yeah, that's true. Oh, wait. I remember Invasion of the Dinosaurs, he says. Good call. (laughs) Oh, I loved those dinosaurs, though, Ed. I really did. (laughs) But fair, the Gustibus. Ed awards this serial a rating of 2.1. Good. That's it, 2.1. Thank you very much, Ed. Yeah, thank you very much. Very good stuff. Who we got next? Why, it's none other than the Zoonmeister, Peter Zunich. What up, Peter? (laughs) Hello, Peter. Peter says, snip, snippity, snip, 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 and then adds, What I've come to realize is that I like episodes one and four, but two and three are slow and convoluted with irreverence. Nyssa is able to tap the source physically because the master has some of her father's DNA. Very interesting point. I guess I can fansplain that, but why is the Master in disguise? Why the debates between electronic and psychic? Why the repetitious ping-ponging around the same few locations with no plot progression? Mostly, why wait until late in Episode 3 to reveal the Xerophin, the second best part of the story? It's all ham-fisted. Yeah. Interesting. I can't really disagree with that at all, Peter. Yeah, I love the whole idea of the Master's, well, the DNA uh, overlap, you know, the DNA Venn diagram between the Master and her dad. Peter, is that from the actual serial? Did you come up with that yourself? Did you read that in a novelization? It's very interesting stuff. Yeah, I did not pick up on that either. Mm. Back to Peter's review, though, and he finishes with, there are a lot of good ideas here, but half feel like they belong in another story. Like the Seraphin, this script fights itself. Mm. <laughs> Two <laughs> nice. different scripts, each with more action, would have served much better. And Peter gives this 2.4 out of 5. Nice. Uh, is that the current high score? I feel like that's the current high score. Uh, yes, it could well be, actually. Yeah. Nice. Excellent. Very good stuff, Peter. As with everyone else, please head on over to whobackwanna.com, read it in this full splendor. Thank you very much. Yes. Thank you, Peter. <laughs> Next, we have Chris Tapps Paddock. What up, Chris Tapps? Chris Tapps been wonderful and given us quite a short mini, so we will be reading this out in full. So Chris mm. Tapps starts... I love this serial, but I'll be honest, it's because it's just a little bit trashy. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> While on the one hand, it resembles nothing so much as a land of the lost, please look this up if not previously familiar. Hmm, I will. <laughs> on the other, between dinosaurs, aliens, weird temples, and prehistoric cities, it's just a few babes in bikinis away from a Conan the Barbarian knockoff. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. <laughs> nice. You're looking that up, Land of the Lost. Uh, yeah, I've just looked it up, and oh my goodness, those are some screenshots. Oh, really? All right, hang on, I'm looking it up as well. Oh, interesting. All right, Land of the Lost looks awesome. Think this may need to be <laughs> enjoyed. I don't know if enjoyed <laughs> is the right word, but certainly viewed. Uh, Chris Stamps continues. Also, it looks cheap as hell, which again puts the trash factor very high. Trashy stories would eventually doom Colin Baker, but for now, I'd file this alongside The Creature from the Pit and Full Circle as lovable, schlocky stories. 3.2 rubbery master disguises out of 5. It's good, but it's not that good. 3.2! Oh my goodness! Yeah. Check Can out the big heart on Chris Dapps. A new contender branching out into the lead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, excellent. Nice thank you very much, Chris Dapps. Yeah, thank you, Chris Dapps. Yeah, people who are not Chris Dapps, head on over to whobackone.com. Read all of this again. <laughs> thank <laughs> you very much. Next up, we've got Tan Six Fingers. It's Ben O'Neill. Hello. Hello, Tan slash Ben. <laughs> For Tans, we are jumping into the middle portion of his review. With some snipping, we end up with, I personally love this story, so much so that my favourite number is 192. First of all, it's a story that actually uses time travel as a plot device. Very true. Second, writer Peter Grimwade reminds us of both Unit and Bagels, mentioned for the first time since The Seeds of Doom in season 13. My goodness. Yeah. Oh, Seeds of Doom. I recently, I watched that twice this week. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, I watched it twice this week. Sorry, slight tangent. Uh, I guested on Hamster with a Blunt Penknife, where we recorded a commentary track for it. So I watched it for that. And I watched it two nights and the night before. So I've watched it twice this week. Yeah, can pat me on the back, please. (laughs) (laughs) Good job. It's a good series. Yeah, it is. Fantastic. Uh, Tan's Six Fingers does continue, he says. Third, the irony that after an entire season of trying in vain to get Tegan to Heathrow, he finally succeeds when he is trying to take them to the Great Exposition in 1850. Indeed. Yeah, yeah, solid. Irony. (laughs) (laughs) And fourth, the master is back and is very reminiscent of the Delgado-Pertwee dynamic, i.e. after initially appearing in disguise, he tries to use the power of the aliens for his own plans, which then backfires and he has to join forces with the Doctor to set things right. Oh, that's a super duper good point, which I had not taken on board. The exchange of TARDIS components reminded me of the third Doctor era as well. What does he give this? Why, Tans gives this 4.2 out of 5. That is totally bananas. That is amazing. (laughs) (laughs) That is a Tans Six Fingers, holy smokeroonies and cheesecakes. Check out the big heart on him. Well done. Freaking well done. Uh, People who are not (laughs) put... People who are not Tan's six fingers, please head on over to whoback1.com. Read his mini in its full splendor, including the PS, which will reveal why his favorite number is 192. Mm-mm-mm. Intriguing. That's right. Yeah. Thank you very much, Tan Six Fingers. People who are not uh, Tans, you can also follow him on 
on Twitter. His handle is at Tans. Six. Fingers. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much, Ben. Uh, next up, who have we got? Well, it's Neil, James. What does Neil say? Well, Neil says some bits which we have snipped and then says Anthony Ainley once again goes for it in this story as the master of disguise. <laughs> hey! Back in Castrovalva, he did a wonderful job as the elderly Portrieve. Here so he plays... You said his name was Portrieve, and I was like, yeah, maybe, because my memory is shit. Here he plays Khalid, and it's completely bonkers. It makes zero mm-hmm. sense, but the costume and makeup are brilliant. That is true. Perhaps uh, culturally insensitive, but certainly very professionally done. I yeah. did not recognize him, so yeah, well done. <laughs> Neil concludes, on the plus side, Davison has settled well into the role, and I do like some of the scenes with the three very camp Concorde pilots. Also, I'm a fan of Professor Hater, so fuck all the Hater haters. I adore this season, as my previous minis have proved, so it's a shame it ends on a low point. But at least we got Adric back for a few sweet seconds. At least. (laughs) Bring on season 20! And he gives this a rating of what, Jim Cakes? Why, a nice number to the tune of 2.1 out of 5. Nice. Nice! All right, good stuff. Solid stuff. Nearly perfect. People of uh, podcast land. (laughs) Nearly perfect. (laughs) People who are not Neil... And you reside out there in podcast land. Do yourselves a favor. Head on over to whoback1.com. Read Neil's many in its full splendor alongside all the others. And also say hi to him uh, on uh, the, the, the tweets. Uh, he can be found at Neil or what, Jim? Andrazani. That's right. All in one word for your convenience. Thank you very much, Neil. Indeed. Thank you, Neil. Next up, we've got Andy Parkinson. It's Andy Parkinson. Yes, indeed. Hello, Andy. Andy. Hello. <laughs> Things are going a bit weird in this this mini section. <laughs> this is what happens. Like we're now what, like we're we're two and a half hours roughly into this recording. Yeah, it's always the way. A little bit of booze <laughs> has been had. This is yeah, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know the score, Podcastland. Come on, um, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So we are going to read the beefs and lights section of Andy's mini. Uh, and he did obviously give a maxi. You will have to go to the website to read, as he is a lovely chap. That's right. Um, from the mini, we are going to read the boobs first. First, Boof. the opening scene in the TARDIS. Tegan and Nissa. Oh, we're really sad about Adric. We'll miss him. Doc, let's go to Disneyland. Tegan and Nissa. <laughs> yeah, fuck that Ad- Adric guy anyway. <laughs> that's, that's a solid paraphrase. <laughs> yeah. Next, Boof. how do the Concords land on a prehistoric landscape? I know the pilots are hallucinating, but the planes aren't. Aircraft need a smooth area to land. Yeah, and also take off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, next, Boof. how do the passengers and crew get in and out of the plane without steps? Again, oh, I know yeah. they are hallucinating, but you can't hallucinate away gravity. And last, Boof. when the plasmatrons attack Doc, Nissa, etc., is that... Um, Fairy liquid? What the bubbly fuck is that about? You know what that's about? What the bubbly fuck indeed. It is. Great. (laughs) (laughs) And he did also give us some likes. First up being the scenes of Concord. It really was an amazing aircraft. Agreed. Next like. I like the characters of Captain Stapley and Professor Bumbletron. Hey! A.K.A. Professor Hater. Aptly named as he seemed to hate everyone and everything. (laughs) Yeah. 
Yeah. And the last, like the good evil sides of Anathorn, which reflects the struggle between the Doc and the Master. Mm. Oh, nicely deduced. Yeah, I like that interpretation. Very good. And he also awards this a score of, see here, snip, snippity, snip, 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 0.6 dynamorphic generators out of five. 0.6, eh? Mm. Wow. Yeah. Solid mini. Really solid mini. We only read the bullet points here. Uh, people of Podcast Land, please do yourselves a favor. You know the drill, and you've read his maxis before. Head on over to whobackwonder.com. Read his maxi for this one. It's really good. Thank you very much, Andy. People who are not Andy can also improve their lives by following Andy on Twitter. He can be found at Caffrey's what, Jim? 71. That's right. Thanks very much. And that's 71, the number. Yeah. Thank you, Andy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's right. <laughs> Why? Oh Next my goodness. Up. What is this I see on the horizon? Oh, it looks like we've got another one of these. New reviewer. Welcome aboard, Mike. Hello, Mike. Hello there, Mike. Thank you very much yeah, for submitting stuff. your first mini. We're very happy to have you on board. So, as we are wont to do... With new reviewers, we will read Mike's Mini in its full splendor. I'll start us off. Hello, Jim and Leon. Hello, Mike. Long-time listener, first-time reviewer. Thanks to my own procrastination, I'm stuck with Time Flight as my first contribution. Oh, well. Better late than never. Any story that followed the truly excellent Earthshock was always going to suffer in comparison, but Time Flight is a low point for the show. Too many ideas and lack of budget and time are all to blame for this mess. First, though, a few good points. The opening scene in Air Traffic Control sets up a good mystery. We see an acknowledgement of Adric's death, adding some welcome continuity. There are some nice location shots of Concord and Heathrow, but then the whole story nosedives. Anthony Ainley's aha moment as the master fares less well than in Castrovalva. Who exactly was he hiding from in part one? Here's our friend who agrees with us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. He continues, The Xerophin are completely wasted, doing little more than materializing as dodgy bubble effects, bumbling plasmatons, and two-headed fangless snakes. Yeah. Yeah. Adric returns briefly and is promptly killed again. <laughs> Tegan and Nissa do next to nothing and even fall asleep at one point. Yep. We do get a lively airline crew to fly everyone home at the end. Oh, yes. And Professor Hater turns in an awesomely over-the-top death scene. That is super-duper true. I can't remember what it is about him. Is it that he is... There's like a color overlay over him as he's dying and yeah. maybe he's muted? Or No, no, he's not muted, but he's definitely... Like, he's orange or something. I remember thinking, like, I would love to see this without any filters. Just, like, see this dude (laughs) ham it up. (laughs) Yeah, true. Yeah, very nice. Mike finishes with Davidson's doctor himself contributes very little in this story. And the resolution is just a few clever sounding lines of dialogue. Wasn't the TARDIS broken before the Master returned the parts he had stolen? How did it make all those precise landings in part four when they haven't been able to land at Heathrow all series long? Yeah, good point. Yep. (laughs) Overall, you will not be surprised to know, Mike says this is one of my least favorite Fifth Doctor stories. And rating-wise, he gives this what, Leon? 0.5 out of 5. Wow. (laughs) One of the least favorite? (laughs) 
<laughs> he does add as a PS, I've been regretting contributing such a low rating as my first mini review. I really am a fan of the show, I promise. But in all honesty, my rating has to stand as I enjoy every classic episode from here on out more than this one. In short, things are looking up. So thank nice. you very much. We've got a little optimism there as well to give us a boost. That is some solid stuff and an excellent mini. Thank you very much, Mike. Yes, thank you very much, Mike. Good stuff. Welcome aboard. We are delighted to be travelling down this temporal road with you. Next up, last up, who is it, Jim? Why, it's James Ashley. What up, James? Hello, James. James has been very succinct with his mini, so we will be reading out the whole shebang. That's right. It starts with, personally, I was quite looking forward to revisiting Time Flight. It's not a serial I return to often, and now I know why. (laughs) (laughs) The plot is just bizarre and nonsensical and isn't aided by the comically poor performances from the guest cast. Hmm. The performances from the regulars, including the master, are not much better either. While the character of Khalid is horribly racist in an alarmingly recurring theme for this series. This serial doesn't feel like it belongs in either season 19 or season 20, and, given its quality, maybe we should just forget its existence. Oh, wow. Overall, <laughs> says James, this is worthy of 1.1 out of 5. Mm. <laughs> Tasty stuff. <laughs> Getting louder and squeakier with every mini. This is crazy bananas. Uh, James, that is a solid mini and a really mini mini. It's very, very concise. Like it. Very good stuff. People who are not James, please high five James online. Tell him hi from us. He can be found at James Ashley. Is that all in one word, Jim? Why, of course it is, because it's for your convenience. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks very much, James. Bing bong, future Leon here with one more listener mini. I'm really, really sorry, by the way, Podcast Land. I completely forgot to add to the website our recording date. So I'm sorry, anyone who wanted to send something in and uh, didn't manage to, chose not to, or send it in after the fact. As was the case with Trissy from America. Wait, hang on. I've got a recording of Jim and me saying that. Tracy from America. That's right. Hello, Tracy. I'm afraid it's just me now, because this is uh, post hoc. In the interest of uh, fairness, I will be doing a little bit of snippage here as well. Tracy says, snip, 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 snip. Dr. Eastaff, Dr. Insistent, almost to anger that they not double back and try to save Adric. Think Doc 9 in Father's Day. Yeah, yeah, fair. (laughs) Doctor just itching to solve the mystery, even as the others are asking to leave. Flips a coin, doesn't like the result, turns coin over. Yeah, all fair points. I would like to point out that maybe Doc9 also had some problems <laughs> uh, when doubling back to... Um, yeah, anyway. What were they called again? The uh, uh, Reapers? Screamers? Screepers. Reamers. <laughs> One of those. Uh, anyway, Tracy continues. Snip, snip, snip. Think we should start a game called Drink Every Time Doc Says, I'll Explain Later. Was this what The Curse of the Fatal Death was parodying? <laughs> I need to rewatch that, actually. Hey, you forgot Tegan! And she adds at the end, a multiple collection of souls in one body is very neat sci-fi concept stuff. And she gives this a rating of... I'll explain later. <laughs> Excellent rating. Really, really solid. Thank you very much, Tracy. People of Podcast Land, you know the drill. Head on over to whobackone.com. Read Tracy's mini in its full splendor. It's lovely. And uh, when you've done so, please reach out to Tracy on Twitter. High five her from us. She can be found at Yekartnyatnuf. That's Fountain Tracy backwards almost. 
Okay, back to the show. Bing bong. And thank, thank you, you very much, everyone, who sent in a mini for this. Why, yes. Thank you all. And of course, the ones that we have cut short, you need to go back to whobackwhen.com, read them all as they were originally written. That's right. Yeah, please do. But Doctor Who does not end here. There's more stuff to come. Next up, we're probably going to have a new review, namely of Oxygen, after which we're back in Classic Who territory with what, Jim? Why, it'll be the Ark of Infinity, the first of <gasps> season 20. That's right. At some point, we will also uh, finally get back into Bonus Who territory. That will probably, I'm saying probably now, be of Strange Readings, Who Back When's very own and second Doctor Who audio adventure. I'm saying probably because we're still missing a whole bunch of recordings and uh, there's a tremendous amount of editing left to do. So uh, cool your boots, podcast land. <laughs> But in the meantime, you can say hello to us on the tweets. Jim, where can people find you? Why, they can find me at Jimmy the Who. Excellent branding. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and people can find me online as well. I am at Ponken, P-O-N-K-E-N. Ponken. Less excellent branding. Thank you so much again for listening. Please stay safe. Wear those masks if uh, if you are, uh, you know, encouraged by your respective governments to do so. Get vaccinated. Uh, and you know what? Be rad. <laughs> he said it all. I'm sorry, really. I've, I've lost it. I've lost it. <laughs> I'm Ciao. just going to end with see ya. <laughs> Kablamo! Did you enjoy the show? Then please do what the cosmos compels you to and spread the gospel of who back when. Tell your friends. But I've got no friends. No problemo. Tell some strangers. Hooray! Like us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash whobackwhen. All in one word. Are you into Twitter? Awesome. High five us online and we'll high five you right back. You guessed it. We're at whobackwhen. All in one word. Check us out on Instagram for behind the scenes photos and other Whovian goodness. Watch our videos or even listen to our podcast on YouTube. That's whobackwhen.com slash YouTube. Vote us up on Reddit. Listen to us on Stitcher and head on over to our website whobackwhen.com where you can submit a review of your own, browse the article archives and peruse our visual index of aliens, monsters and more, which increases in Kablamos with every episode. And lastly, give us a rating and review on iTunes. It helps our show get noticed and earns you lots of karma points. That's it. Rock on and be rad and excellent to each other. Catch your earballs in our next Who review or bonus episode. Until then, ciao ciao. Who back when?